0: Natural, baby. Baby. I'm every it's all in welcome to courtside moms I'm your host Wendy Sparks today I have the fun honor of speaking to Alberta Murphy mother of Trey Murphy the third of the New Orleans pelicans welcome welcome Albita, to the show
1: Thank you. Thank you, Wendy.
0: (laughs) It's such a joy to have you, and I love talking about our kids. So tell us, let's start with how Trey's basketball journey began and take us through his years as a child playing this sport that he loves.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's always so funny because Trey started playing recreational basketball at five. And showed little to no interest in basketball. He was always only concerned about snacks. So it was after the game, mommy, who has the snacks? That's all he was concerned about. To the point where there would be games where Trey would literally run down the court with his hands in his pockets. So his father, who has always been his coach, was just irate. He was like, okay, throw away every pair of shorts with pockets because how are you gonna catch the ball if you're running down the court with your hands in your pockets? So from that point forward, we got rid of shorts with pockets and he just gradually started becoming more interested in it. Um, Like I said, his dad has always been his coach um, in terms of AAU. We started with a very grassroots type of AAU organization called the Durham Hurricanes. And it was a bunch of parents who got together. We funded the kids to be able to mm-hmm. travel. Um, we eventually got to the point where, you know, we were competing against the shoe brands, you know, the named teams. And, you know, our guys are just, you know, local talent that the dads, a lot of the dads who were in the organization, they just worked with them. And, um, and we just, you know, we just, took it from there, you know, um, Trey went to a private high school, not a basketball school. Um, we just never imagined honestly that basketball was his pathway to where he is now his career. Yeah. So we just always looked at it as a a vehicle to help pay for, you know, his education. And so he went to a really great, um, private high school in North Carolina, Cary Academy. From there, he got mid-major offers. He was, though, the very first um, student at Cary Academy to get a D1 basketball scholarship nice. at that school. So, over twenty plus years, no other student had ever gotten a D1 basketball scholarship for for men. Right. And well, so, talk about
0: his recruitment, though. Let's w- since we're there um, mm-hmm. at the college now, um, talk about his recruitment process and how did you come to choose the schools that you chose? So I first, he went to Rice um, University and then later on he went to Virginia. So let's let's go back a bit and let's just talk about that recruitment process because I want people to understand what your family did and who the offers came from and how you handled and managed it all.
1: Right, um, Trey had very, he didn't have a lot of offers. Um, most schools were mid-major um, conferences as opposed to a power 5 conference. So what we did was we encouraged Trey for two ways to look at a school that academically was going to challenge him because that has always been his path as far as academics he was a very good student. Um loved being in school. That was never an issue. I never had to force him to study or to be prepared for classes, he just naturally enjoyed it, enjoyed being in school, and was a really, really good student, so our goal was letting him know he needs to pick a school where academically he's going to be challenged, because if something happened with basketball, he would need to be at that school to finish and to get his degree, and so Of all the schools that recruited him, he probably had maybe about eight or 10 offers. Rice to us and to Trey was the best fit. It was further away from North Carolina than we wanted. We wanted him a little closer because we were so used to going to all his games. Like I said, his dad coached him. So we were at, you know, all the AAU games, he was, you know, then we were at all his high school games. And so we were a little nervous about him going to Texas, but academically, we knew Rice was the best school for him out of all the schools that were recruiting him. So he did select Rice. A lot of the feedback we were getting um, from maybe some of the bigger schools was that Trey was just not big enough. Um, He was... 6'4 in high school, very small frame, very slim kid, probably weighing no more than 160, 165 at 6'6. And so we knew that there was that the issue of weight, but Coach Para at Rice took it on, took the challenge and said, I would rather bring this kid into my program and have to put weight on him than if I was trying to recruit a kid where I'm trying to take weight off of him. <laughs> and so, and Coach Pera really wanted him. And so that was the other part of it. We said, go somewhere where the coach really has a plan for you and that coach really wants you in the program.
0: Yeah. And you know, what? And, and that's a great decision because at the end of the day, we want our kids to be happy at the school that they're Mm -hmm. at, right? They don't want to be in a... Because for them, for the kids, it's really about basketball first before academics and us is the opposite. So (laughs) we have to try to find this (laughs) happy medium so that we're like, Trey, make sure you get the good grades and make sure that you do well in basketball. You know what I mean? too. So, But what were those games like for you at Rice University?
1: Rice reminded me of games like at Cary Academy very low fan attendance (laughs) students on a Saturday afternoon was they would prefer being in the library studying instead of being in the gym at a basketball game and that used to like just crack us up because we were like oh my gosh you know it's like (laughs) it was just not a lot of you know students there um but you know they still had a, a pretty decent fan base but it wasn't you know like the bigger schools, and like you would see on TV, that kind of thing. Um, But the moms, um, we would get together, sit in the stands, you know, drink wine, cheer on our boys. And it would just, it was like a big family affair. You know, we would just make so much fun out of being at the games, being loud and cheering and just making the gym a really, you know, happy atmosphere for the guys to cheer them on. So... Oh my
0: god! Yeah. I wish at UNLV we drank wine in the stands. Well, actually, actually I did, but not with the moms. <laughs> I'm like, wait, do my son go to the wrong school? Yeah, they have they sold
1: wine at Rice. I mean, that was part of the concessions wine, beer. So yeah, we would get us a little carafe of wine and sit back, pour our little cups, and sit there and drink wine and just you know just have a good time. It was a it carafe. was always really
0: cool. <laughs> Note to self. I have to think about it for my grandkids. (laughs) So so from Rice University, he then um, transferred to Virginia. So what was that conversation like? And why did you feel the need for him to transfer?
1: Well, that was very interesting because when Trey went to Rice, I think Trey's focus was academics. And basketball, he realized, mm, yeah, maybe I have a chance. Maybe I don't have a chance. He he probably wasn't a hundred percent like um, dialed in in terms of um, thinking that he could be at another level with basketball. But Trey kept growing. Trey put on body mass. Trey grew from he went from six four to six six, and. He started getting, I mean, people were starting to say, you can play at the next level. You know, you could play, um, you know, you could possibly be in the NBA. And so, to be honest with you, Trey really wanted to go to UVA in the very beginning. Um, You know, we're from North Carolina. Basketball is huge. You know, the whole, I, I graduated from Carolina. So, the whole Tobacco Road thing and being in the ACC that was something that he always wanted. So he had worked out with UVA prior to getting the offer from Rice. But again, he was told he was too small. He wasn't mm-hmm. big enough. He probably wouldn't be able to play in a power five conference. And so when COVID hit, he came home and we were home. We had just left Conference, conference USA's tournament in Frisco, Texas. And we are home, we we actually left Frisco, went back to Houston, packed up his dorm, stored all of his stuff, came home and just, you know we're, we were expecting he would go back to Rice. There was really no real conversation that he was gonna transfer. But I think while being at home, he just soul searched, realized that maybe he would take that chance and see if he would be able to play at a power five school. And he decided he wanted to transfer. He wanted a different challenge, um, basketball-wise, because people were starting to tell him that he 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 could go to that next level. And so he talked to you know my his dad about it. He talked to his trainer. This is a a, a man that has trained Trace since he was like ten years old. And they you know they all said, "Look, if this is what you feel, this is how you feel. Then you should you should." enter the transfer portal and see what happened. And so we went from coming out of high school, going into his senior year of high school with probably eight offers to when he got into the transfer portal, it was probably over 70 schools that contacted Mm -hmm. him. And that became overwhelming because we weren't expecting any of that. We were just Trey was just like, we'll see what happens. And literally that's what we, that's how we approached it. We will see what happened. Yeah. And and Virginia came through.
0: (laughs) You know, sometimes as parents, we're not prepared for our kids who are quickly moving to other levels. Things can happen at a whim that could leave some of us with that feeling that we've been just thrown to the wolves and left to figure things out quickly, And correctly, without sometimes having a lot of information offered to us as parents, because, you know, sometimes we're just like, this is an activity. And then we realize, wait a minute, this is Mm -hmm. not. So at this point now, things are moving for yourself (laughs) and your husband and, and Trey. So what are things that you and your family had to do to try to be ready or even a step ahead for what was coming towards you?
1: Yeah. So for us, once Coach Bennett reached out, we kind of felt like Trey would probably want to go in that direction because two years prior, that's where his heart was set. And I told Trey, you know, that two years ago, he just wasn't ready to be at UVA. God had not ordered him to be there two years ago. And now this was this opportunity to now be at the school where he ultimately wanted to play. So for us, he was courted by very good schools and coaches that he respected and he admired. And so he narrowed his decision down to four schools. And then because it was COVID, obviously we couldn't visit the schools. But what we did was we got in the car and we drove and did our own tour of the school because I wanted him to kind of feel what it would look like, what it would be like, something separate and apart from what we saw in video and the Zoom calls that we were having with these coaches. And so we drove up to Villanova because he admired, he respected Coach Wright. He thought he wanted to play possibly at Villanova Um, he had already been over at the university of Houston with coach Sampson. He, he had friends that played at U of H because he was at rice. He played against U of H and he knew guys over there. So he knew what that campus was like, but he loved coach, coach Sampson. I think that could have been, you know, a real contender if it was just not back in Houston. And then of course, the university of Pittsburgh with, um, coach Capel. And he connected well with, J- with assistant coach Jason Capel, Jeff Capel's brother. So that paring it down or getting it down to four schools was tough. But Coach Bennett made that last pitch. And then I think that was probably, again, Trey going back two years before, realizing how heartbroken he was and saying, yeah, maybe this is my chance to be at UVA. And UVA was again, uh, again another academic school that we knew he would be challenged academically. And so both pieces just fit and it was perfect. Yeah. So, in our minds, he was going to go to UVA, he was going to redshirt the first year and not play. And then Coach Bennett called and told my husband, you know, we really need him on the floor this year. And so they wanted him to play. And we weren't, and again, we weren't ready for that. (laughs) (laughs) I was prepared to just go to the game, support him and the team, you know, while he was on the bench, let him sit there, you know, and support him. But we weren't ready for him to actually play.
0: So now that he had this opportunity to play right away, which like you said, was a little unexpected. (laughs) What were those games like for you now that he's playing totally different school, different conference? And how did that compare to Rice?
1: Well, because again, it was COVID. Um, John Paul Jones, the, as they call it, JPJ wasn't at capacity that arena holds 15,000 15,000 people. But because we were in COVID, they would only let 250 People total so there would be at least 250 people at all games it was always as mi- the max that they could have was there um he did get that opportunity once to play um against gonzaga in a larger arena this was um in december of 2020 was it 2020 20
0: yeah 2020
1: 2021 yep um but the larger crowds, you know, we still didn't get that opportunity to really right. experience it, but it was exciting to see him, to be able to play in the ACC, to be able to see him play with a coach that he loved and respected, and just to see his growth, it was It was unbelievable. It was surprising. It was unbelievable. It was experiencing an ACC tournament with my son actually participating. It was the ability to experience the NCAA tournament, you know, with my son actually participating. So it was great. It was really great.
0: So now after one season, he decided to declare... Yes, mom. I see that reaction. (laughs) So talk about that decision and what that meant for your family. Oh my gosh. I, you know, Trey,
1: so he says, yeah, I want to test and see if I, you know, if I can just enter the pre-draft. So that conversation started in March and he was still in school because it, you know, it kind of started in March the ACC, I mean the NCAA tournament. They, you know, they were kicked out um, after the first round, which was heartbreaking because they had a COVID issue. They didn't even get to Indianapolis until the day before they had to play. So UVA had so many factors stacked against them that first round that they kind of knew that more than likely they wouldn't get past that. So Trey, you know, he talks about entering you know the pre-draft and I told him I said listen you can enter the pre-draft but you will keep your eligibility active (laughs) so you're going back to UVA yeah I said that's just how it is I mean you can test it you can get an idea of what this is going to be like so that you can be prepared for next year and he you know to the very end i just held on to his eligibility he i wouldn't let him sign with an agent i just made you know he, i made sure he was finishing up his classwork because he was still in school yeah he still had classes so even though he had workouts i made it clear to the agent and to the company he went with um excel sports i told them Whatever his workouts are going to be, they need to be around his schedule to finish his classes. That's the only way I'm a 100% on board with this. Because some of the feedback we got in the beginning when they do that whole pre-draft inquiry to find out if he's draftable, would it be second round? Is it a possibility for, for first round? Trey had no feedback for first round. It was second round or undraftable. Yeah. And so with that in mind, I just felt like, no, you know, that's not a good, those are not good odds for you. So yeah, you're definitely going to keep your eligibility because more than likely you're going to have to go back to UVA. Right. And as he worked out for different teams, his, the whole mock draft thing changed and he started climbing and being recognized and his, his I guess his, um, his draft possibility kept yeah. rising. And so as it got to the point where he was considered one through 20, I mean, well, within that one yeah. through 20 range, I started feeling a little bit more relieved. And, and because for Trey, after two weeks, probably really after two days of being in Miami and working out, he was having sidebar conversations with his father saying, I'm not going back to UVA. I'm not going back to UVA, but he would never say it to me. Like he would, he would pretend like, oh, well, yeah, mom, we'll see. Because he knew how I was. (laughs) He didn't didn't want to tell me. (laughs)
0: But he did all that hard work in the meantime because he knew that he still had to do what he had to do to either, you know what I mean, continue and let, let, let his, uh, his stock climb or mm-hmm. go back to UVA. And that wasn't really probably where his brain was at. So he was like, I got to do something to convince mom. So you know what? That actually was better than probably all the tough training that he was getting physically because he was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not, I'm not, I got to make mama happy. So good for him. And all that hard work got him an invitation to the, to the combine, which was in uh, Chicago Chicago in June, 2021. So as per your conversations with him, what did those few days mean for him and what did he anticipate draft night would look like then?
1: Well, um, it's so much uncertainty because Mm -hmm. for him, he was getting good feedback from different teams and he honestly felt like there would be certain teams that he could possibly play, you know, that they were going to draft him, but he did keep a level head about it in the sense that he knows there's so many moving parts with the NBA. And so even with draft night, (laughs) it was so funny. We bought, because Trey didn't get invited to the green room. Um, And so we literally had 17, we probably had 20 different NBA hats. My husband and Trey's godfather, they went to different stores, just looking for all different teams that were possibly gonna draft him because at that time his agent was like, yeah, it could be this team, this team, this team. I mean, it was so many different teams because it was just so many moving parts. So that night we were like, okay, we'll have all these hats just in case. <laughs> and we wanted to make the atmosphere as good or as nice as possible because he was disappointed that he didn't get the invite to be in New York. Um, because of COVID, they limited the number of guys that could be in the green room. Right. And so for us, we were like, we will have um, a draft party for you friends and family, people who really want to see you and be a part of that night. And we'll just, you know, try to imitate. And <laughs> once he calls your name, we're going to give you a hat. <laughs> and make you feel like you were in New York.
0: <laughs> That's Let amazing. You put your yeah. Let you put your hat on. <laughs> yep. Yep. Keep the receipts for the other ones too. <laughs> so right. yes, take us to draft night. Because like you said, you were amongst friends and family. You had your own gathering in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. So Mm -hmm. how did that night start for you and take us to that very moment you realized that your son was selected by the Pelicans?
1: You know, Wendy, I'm gonna tell you that whole day was a fog because we knew, like for instance, with the draft party, we had to have a limited number of people again because of COVID but we had people who were calling they wanted to come and we had already maxed our guest list. And so I was like, okay, listen, if you know, if we get there and we realize that, you know, everybody you know didn't show up, you know, I can give you a call or a text, but that's about the best I can do because the venue where we were, they were keeping account and they wanted to make sure that we didn't have more people in there because of covid restrictions. But that whole day, you know, I was, it was a fog. It was just like a dream. I, I i had things and errands I had to run. And I remember like I needed to run to the mall and I left my phone at home by accident. It was not by choice, but just, just trying to like go down my list of all the things I needed to do before that night yeah. and go to the hair salon. It just was like so much and so pick up my outfit from, you know, getting steamed. It was just so much. And so when I got back to the house and realized I didn't have my phone, I was like, oh my God, I looked and it was probably like over 50, 60 text messages, missed phone calls, just, it was crazy. Um, but then that night I just was, I was just gonna relax about it. I told Trey, you know, you're gonna be where you're supposed to be. That's all we can do, you know. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can control at this point. We don't know when your name is going to get called. And we're just, you know, you're just going to be where you're supposed to be. And so when he was, we got the text message from his agent before yeah. they announced it on the screen. So the people at the party had no idea. So every time, you know, the commissioner stood up to announce the name, the room got really silent. And then if they didn't call Trey's name, everybody was like, oh, you know, they were like, (laughs) what are they going to call his name? You know, and it was so funny because some people who didn't really understand the draft party, I mean, the draft process, like one of his school teachers from high school, she just loved Trey so much. And she thought it was not a direct attack on Trey because they hadn't called his name (laughs) in the top 10. And I kept trying to explain to Miss Sheets, that's not how that works. Trey is not going in the top 10. (laughs) They're not going to call his name. That's cute. So you just have to wait. I said, it's not a slight, you know, because they're calling these other guys, they're going to get to him. I promise. So just explaining that to people who just, they were just so ready to hear his name called. And, and when they called his name, it was People not understanding, for instance, that Memphis actually traded their pick to New Orleans. And so when they first said to the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, but he's going to get traded, people missed all of that information. So when Trey put on the New Orleans Pelicans hat, there was so much confusion that we still had to explain to everybody how that worked that new Orleans had traded their 10th pick to get the 17th pick so that Trey would be picked at number 17. So, but we did, like I said, we got the text message and we knew that probably, I think by the 15th when they called number 15, that Trey was going to get called 17, but Trey only Trey and his dad and myself, three of us knew we didn't say anything to anybody Cause again, Trey was nervous. He said, "Mom, until they call my name, I'm not believing anything." You know, and so,
0: yeah. How do you contain yourself for so long? Fifteenth <laughs> <laughs> all the way. You know how long it is between the fifteenth and the seventeenth pick? Oh, I know. My I God! Know. By the time they talk about the, the player and show videos and the highlights and let them be interviewed, and they go on to the next. Oh my God! I would just lose my mind. I'd be like, "Call New York! <laughs> Come on, New York!" <laughs> 17. Hurry up. I know.
1: I know. But what was really funny, I'll have to tell you this cute little story. So Trey, my son, Trey Murphy went 17. I think the 18th pick was a a young man named Trey Mann. And Trey is friends with Trey. And so at Trey Mann's party, when they called my Trey's name and said Trey (laughs) Murphy... The people at Trey Mann's <laughs> event, they thought it was Trey Mann. And so that had to be all worked out. And so we were laughing about that whole situation as well, because again, Trey Mann, Trey Murphy, the names are so close and it was like, oh my goodness. So I felt so sorry for that young man. And then, you know, the anxiety that they were feeling because my Trey was called and he, he was next, but still. So. Yeah.
0: I, I can imagine the, the the confusion there. They hear their tray and they're losing their minds doing cartwheels and he's going to Memphis. He's going to New Orleans. He's, no, he's not going to either. What? I can't right. you can't. Exactly. Meanwhile, you guys are going through your whole shelf full of hats that you bought trying to right. find the right one. Like, okay, so. Oh my God, it's hilarious. Yes. So, Your husband mentioned that Trey went from being a zero star recruit to becoming the 17th overall pick. So talk about that overwhelming feeling of recognizing that all that hard work that went into making this all happen.
1: You know, even that night, it just didn't seem real. It just felt like okay, we're living this dream, we'll eventually wake up from it. Um, it just felt like, wow, you know, I think we were just relieved because that part was over. But I don't think we had still really in our mind fully realized the magnitude of what was about to happen, simply because <laughs> we never imagined trade being in the NBA. So we were never that family that was prepared and knew, okay, well, you know, because my son is a five-star, we know he's going to go to the NBA. We just never thought that. And so it just never seemed surreal until the calls about the NBA, like with the agent telling us about, you know, summer league. And then, you know, we're going out to Vegas for summer league and then, you know, getting calls and he's getting mail with has NBA on it. And you know, getting calls, you know, from the Pelicans and onboarding and, but then even with that, it just felt like he's just getting ready to go and play basketball somewhere else, you know, yeah. like it just still didn't feel like it's the NBA, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just, okay, so he's getting ready to just go play basketball somewhere else, you know? um, So yeah, and I even think even sometimes to this moment, not until Trey reminds me, like when we try to buy him something or if I get on him about purchasing something and he'll say to me, um, like with Christmas, we were asking him, what did he want for Christmas? And he looked at us, he was like, what do I want for Christmas? From you two? You know, like (laughs) there's nothing the two of you need to buy me for Christmas. And me and my husband, we were like, yeah, you know, I guess that's true. You know, you can buy whatever you want for yourself. We don't need to buy you anything for Christmas. But yeah, it's just like, and then I think for me, it was when I talked to his financial advisor and when we looked at, you know, Trey's budget and his um expenses and and then I'm thinking about wow, you know, this kid is making a whole lot more money than I'm making, you know. <laughs> Me working a whole year, you know, and it's just like, wow. But still making him live a frugal life. Yeah. Um, he gets upset about that. Like, for instance, Trey hasn't purchased a car. He has the same car that his dad and I got for him in college. Um, that's what he's driving now. And we've explained to him that yeah, this feels great and, you know, you're a rookie and this lifestyle of yours is different, but we're just not going to let you jump in yeah, and just start spending money that, you know, again, with so many moving parts with the NBA, you just have to be smart at this point, hopefully get to contract number two, yeah. and then maybe you can buy a, a, another car. But right now, <laughs> This is yeah. contract number one car. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is the car that got you to contract number one, so you'll keep riding it until. Thank you. Yeah, you know what? And that and that's such a good conversation to have with our kids because they don't understand. The minute they went from us paying for everything, mm-hmm. so they don't understand what budget is. And then here all of a sudden, you know what I mean? They're, they're getting slapped with this beautiful, beautiful salary that we were like, Wait, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, should be commission going to the parents, but anyway, that's a whole other talk show. <laughs> exactly. Hello, but you know our yeah. kids have all this money, and right away they seem to think that I'm going to buy this and this and this. And I remember having this conversation with my son, and I, and I was like, and he's very frugal anyway. But when he, oh yeah, he's yeah. Anyway, he's very funny. <laughs> But if he would say, I want to buy this or this, and I would remind him, understand that once you purchase this, it's going to deduct from the money you already have. eh? Don't think that you have X amount of dollars for the rest of your life. Like, no, like it it does deduct and there's taxes and there's, you know, the IRS are coming and you got to pay. And he would just stare at me like, okay. And then he would never buy anything for the longest time because I think maybe he was scared into it, but... (laughs) Years later, you know what I mean. Now he's better. Now he's in his third contract. But yes, that's good. As a great that your husband and 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 yourself are keeping him grounded and really saying, "Hold on, Trey, just wait. It's your time to spend. Your your money is gonna come, and at that point, do what you want to do. But right now, he's gonna thank you a little later on, and he will. He will. That that conversation's gonna come. I promise." <laughs> I'm going to hold
1: you to that, Wendy, that he's going to thank us because right now he thinks we are the worst. He's like, I talked to my financial, I talked to Drew yesterday and he said, I'm I'm doing good with savings. I'm almost at 40%, mom. I said, "Mm -mm, no, I'm sorry. That's just, you're not spending any more money. That's just- that's just yeah. how it is.
0: Yeah, you're doing yeah. good because we're preventing you from spending it. Hello? Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, I said, why do you think you're all, you're 40% saving of your salary? Because we're not letting you run out here and just get crazy and spend money for stuff that, you know, really and truly right now you don't need because the reality is when you look at a schedule, you're driving to the practice facility, you're driving to the Smoothie King Center, and then you're back at the apartment. Why do you need a luxury car for that? You just need a regular car for that. You're not doing anything.
0: Yeah. You see, he'll eventually not care. Let me tell you. My son, he he does he couldn't care less. He's not Mm -hmm. that guy that wants to spend millions on foolishness. He really isn't, which is a blessing. You know what I mean? He's Mm -hmm. that he's that kid. Okay, get me a car so I can get to practice. His focus is getting to practice. Right. You know (laughs) what I mean? So believe you me, Trey will see it maybe in a couple of years, but (laughs) until then. So.
1: Right. The only thing that Trey loves spending his money on, I will say this, and it's funny because people who know my son, they look at him and think because he's so skinny, he doesn't eat. But the one thing that he has really invested his money in is a chef.
0: Mm.
1: Trey loves to eat. Yeah. And so that was my fear, you know, with if my husband or I, if we weren't here with them, like, were you going to door in and buying a lot of crappy food that you shouldn't really, you know, eat, you really need to take care of your body because your body is what is pretty much the ability for you to earn a living. And so when he looked at it from that perspective, and I said to him, when you're looking at your budget, training, you know, having someone who can weight train and do conditioning with you in the off season and investing in someone who can help you with nutrition. That's what you need to do now. And then all this other stuff can come later. So he loves his chef. She feeds him well. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's that's probably his biggest expense, and then of course his apartment. So yeah,
0: yeah, it, it's a learning curve. It's a learning curve. Like I said, you know, my my son, he too, he has a chef as well. But prior to that, I would laugh at him and say, either you buy the Uber Eats company, or you get a chef. But this is not working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, every time, every two seconds, ding dong, ding dong. There's a bag left at the gate, and there's all really <laughs> so, yeah. No, is either. It- Get some groceries and cook, or get a chef and get somebody. But this Uber Eats is not working. And after a while, yeah, now there's a chef, but it was just funny getting to there. But anyway, Mm -hmm. so (laughs) now tell me now you're this is draft night and all those wonderful things are happening for your family. But what is that memory for you that stood out or stands out the most?
1: It probably was. It took me back to a night when I was picking Trey up from practice in high school and where we live, we live in, in Durham. Mm -hmm. I work in, I was working in Raleigh and Trey went to school in Cary. So Durham sits here, Cary is in the middle and then Raleigh is here. Mm -hmm. So this was before he had driver's license. So I would have to drive him to school, then I would drive to work. And so for me, when I leave work, I wouldn't drive all the way back to Durham. I would drive, I would either stay at work really late and, you know, wait until his practice is over, pick him up, and then we would go home. So one night I'd had a bad day at work. I was Cold because you know you know basketball is a winter you know it's winter time. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting in a car. It's freezing cold. I don't keep my car running. I'm turning it on and off trying to keep warm. And I remember he comes into the car and he says to me, you know, I'm just like fussing at him. You know, this is just ridiculous. I'm sick and tired of waiting in this cold car and blah 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 blah. Just <laughs> just going off on him. And he turned and looked at me and he said, Mom, one day you're never gonna have to worry about this again because. I'm going to go to the NBA and I'm going to take care of you. You'll never have to worry about this because I'm going to be in the NBA. And I just looked at him. I'm like, yeah, right. You just made sure you keep your grades good. And (laughs) you made sure you do blah, 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 blah. And that. And so that (laughs) night I turned and looked at him when his name was called. And I mean, I'm crying because I'm thinking back to when he was in ninth grade and he declared that over his life. And I'm like, look at this kid. I mean, it's just like, he works so hard. Like, like, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, zero stars sitting on the bench, you know, not knowing if he's going to get any kind of playing time, you know, just, it was just like, what is this? You know, not going to his dream school in the very beginning, it was all of these things. And I just said to myself, wow, he really, he proved so many people wrong. From the report that he was undraftable, that he would be late second round, to now he's 17th pick. And he turned to me, you know, like I said, that little ninth grader in my car saying, Mom, you're not going to have to worry about this, you know, because I'm going to be in the NBA. I I just cried with him. Mm -hmm. You know, all three of us cried. My husband, because he never really wanted to coach AAU, but he was drawn into it because his son played and Kenny played at East Carolina. So, you know, he wanted a son to play basketball. But the sacrifice that my husband made with AAU, you know, the money that we spent on mm-hmm. Trey and other kids and those travel tournaments and getting hotels and all of that, and the time that my husband put into coaching. He he was in an organization that you know they don't pay these guys they volunteer their time yeah. to coach these guys and to go to these tournaments and so for me I just felt so overwhelmed and grateful um, that all of that hard work you know just from Trey and just all of us putting you know our the efforts that the sacrifices that we made yeah but it's that beautiful. It was real.
0: Right, and it's beautiful that he said that to you then because that ninth grader recognized what you were doing for him and he was showing his appreciation. You know what I mean? Saying, mom, mm-hmm. I get you, I feel you, and thank you. Pretty much that's mm-hmm. what I'm getting out of that conversation and what he mm-hmm. was saying. He was like thanking you then for what's happening now. So remind right. him of that story when he wants to spend his money. So, <laughs> so the time had finally come for you to witness your son make his NBA debut via summer league and followed by the regular season. So how do you as mom prepare for that moment?
1: There is like so much anxiety. Um, mainly because now more people are knowing who he is.
0: Yeah.
1: So at Rice, you know, those, the fans there, they just love him regardless, you know, whether he makes a shot, don't make a shot. It's just like, it's Trey, they love him. And it's just a different atmosphere at UVA. It was a little bit of the same. I mean, a a bigger fan base, obviously, but again, my, when Trey got to UVA, he was still in a situation where the guys that were more seasoned who had been there, he was joining those guys and they were known kind of like he became part of what was the big three. It was Sam Hauser, Jay Huff and Trey Murphy, but it was always Sam Hauser and Jay Huff and Trey Murphy. So it was kind of like he was still finding his way, but it wasn't as if a lot of people still knew who he was. Yeah. And so then it's the NBA, a bigger platform, more people are knowing who he is and the nerves and my anxiety is just at an all-time high because now I'm seeing him enter his first game against Philadelphia with Joel Embiid, who is like (laughs) super huge. My son still has a college body. (laughs) He is still not the size of these huge men who he's about to go up on the court that he's watched play Mm -hmm. on TV, that he has looked at their games and and all of that. And I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, what is this going to be like? Because they don't care that he's a rookie. They don't care that this is his first year. They're going to pound his head. And oh, my God, is this going to be like what am I gonna do? Cause he's still he's still my baby, he's still my 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 little boy. And so that was very nerve-wracking because yeah it it was it was different. It was like I said a lot of anxiety but yet um a very proud moment yeah. you know watching him um take the cord I think for me also a proud moment was When we um, had uh, the families were able to tour the Smoothie King Center prior to the home game and seeing the pictures of him, you know, in the arena, a big banner with, you know, him with the team and seeing him up there, you know, with Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. And, you know, again, these are names that we watched on TV and Mm -hmm. he's now their teammate. And it's just, yeah, that was just, it was wild. It really was. Wow. Yeah.
0: So now a rookie in the NBA, or as a rookie in the NBA, you know, now he is expected to be ready to play more than double of the games that he was used to. He now is playing, like you said, amongst vets who are (laughs) quicker, bigger, more experienced. Now he's dealing with new coaching staff, different fan base, and a whole bunch of other things. Plus, he spent time in the G League as well. So can you tell us what his work ethic was like and how he was able to manage all of that now? Because this is a different level of basketball now. So now this is Trey the adult. Now this is something that he has to do on his own, not necessarily with mom and dad, right? So how Mm -hmm. was he able to manage all of that?
1: What is very interesting, um, about Trey is I think more when people really get to know who he is, um, he's always had to work hard. So Trey was always that kid on a Saturday morning. He's up, he's in the gym. You know, my husband never had to drag him out the bed to say, we're going to go work out. Mm -hmm. Trey wanted to go work out. Trey understood, um, that he was not the most talented, that he was smaller, that there were, you know, there were things that he had to work on that, you know, as my husband says, you know, God didn't just tap you on the shoulder, you know, and make you that gifted athlete. This is something you've got to work on. You know, you don't have the luxury of being able to get out of bed and maybe roll to the gym and just be great. You know, you've got to work. So for Trey going to the gym and working out and, and doing that, he's fine with that. You know, he does not, he doesn't shy away from it. He, you know, and that's his work ethic now, you know, he, he gets up and, you know, he makes sure, you know, he's at every workout, every practice, he does not lay off. Um, He tries to do extra stuff. He, you know, he's always looking at, at games and, and looking at film and trying to, you know, figure out what it is that he's got to get, you know, that he's got to do in order to have a career in the NBA, because that's what he wants. You know, he wants a career. He doesn't want to make this or have people believe like this was some fluke that he was drafted 17 and, you know, he's there in the NBA. So he looks at these guys and realizes he's not as big or that he's got to get stronger or that, you know, he's got to put on more muscle. He understands that. Yeah. And so he works hard. He really does.
0: And, and that's a great worth ethic for him to keep up. And even the players who have been there before him, all the vets, they pretty much do that as well. Mm-hmm. They're, you know what I mean? They're in the gym every single day people don't understand all the time that pressure on their bodies. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it stops when it's during the off season. They're still in the gym every single day. And they're like you said, they're watching film and they're doing all these things to maintain and stay in the NBA. Right. So Mm -hmm. what he's doing now isn't just because he's a rookie. That's something that he'll probably do throughout his career.
1: Absolutely. And this is understanding that it's a job, Mm -hmm. you know, this is your job. And just like there are things that you see your dad and I prepare for as it relates to our job, you know, yeah. um, you know, seminars, education, things that we have to do to maintain licenses that we have Trey understands, you know, we're constantly working to be good at what we do in our profession. Yeah. So he now he gets it like, yeah, you got to get up every day, days that you may not feel like it, but this is your job. Yeah. And so, yeah, this is how, this, welcome to the real world, son. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> speaking of that, a lot of preparation goes into playing in the NBA for, for the first time, but it's not only the players' lives that change, but their families as well. So can you share a few adjustments that your family had to make to accommodate this new chapter in Trey's life?
1: Well, the biggest challenge, or at least the biggest thing for us was that we didn't want him to be in New Orleans alone. Yeah. You know, some guys are fortunate enough maybe to have a sibling that can come and stay with them or, you know, a good friend or I don't know. Some, and then, And then I guess the bad part is some have an entourage, which may not be the good thing um but for Trey you know he doesn't have an entourage he is an only child and fortunately for me I work remote and so it was it, it was it was great it allowed me to be in new orleans just the simple things of getting his apartment straight being here for furniture deliveries because he's gone all day Um, and so, you know, maneuvering that for him, you know, getting stuff that we knew he would need, um, for the apartment and just for him to be able to kind of come home and feel or come back to his apartment and kind of feel like it's home. Yeah. And so I think that is so important because there is so much that is thrown at these guys. And with him being so young, we just wanted to make sure that things are the way that they should be for him as far as understanding, you know, if you want to come home and vent about something, you can come home and talk to me or talk to your dad, know that it's in a safe space, you know, kind of talk through some of the things that you're feeling because that's another thing. I mean, I think you get so many of the horror horror stories of you don't know who to trust and you got to be careful and you know, you can't say this or you can't do that. And so I think it allows him that opportunity to come home. And, you know, mom is here, or his, you know, both me and his dad were here. He has his space. We don't crowd him, we give him his room to do and to be as independent as he needs to be. But then also, there's that comfort level of knowing that there's that familiarity of his parents still being in his life and being there to support him.
0: A million percent. So raising professional athletes come with so many elements as an NBA mom, what is something that you would like advice on?
1: Wow. Um, Handling the ups and the downs. Um, Mm -hmm. I think For us, it has been tough for him because there are times he doesn't understand, you know, like, okay, well, why you're not playing, you know, why you're not playing. Um, He's had several DMPs and, um, you know, just that whole mental challenge of as a parent, when you see your child struggling through something, you know, taking that step back and trying not to be so emotional about it because I think like when I become emotional about it, he tries to then make me feel better when I need to be the one that's trying to make him feel better about what's going on because I never want him to think at any given time that we're disappointed, you know, or that he looks up in the stand and he knows he's not going to get in the game that he feels like wow, you know, my parents and all the sacrifices that they've made. And, you know, I'm not even going to get to play because, you know, we always have to make sure he understands that we're proud of him no matter what, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't care if he's sitting on the bench. I mean, yes, I want him to play, but I'm going to support him while he is sitting on the bench as well as if you're on the court playing, you know, because I do believe that, as we've told Trey, if this is your career and this is what you want to do for the next 10 to 15 years of your life, you've gotta understand that this is just year one. And you've gotta approach it in that, like that, you know? And I think when you, like with him, he sees other rookies being successful and things are happening for them a certain way. It's just to remind him that everybody's road is different. Everybody's path is different and that we have to stay calm as his parents and to kind of let him understand that you've got a long ways to go. You know, if you're serious about having that longevity, you're just in year one. Yeah. So, you know, that that's just the main thing. And and again, I mean, I think talking to other moms, because I'm sure that they're moms who have experienced the same things in terms of, you know, you see your child who is doing so well, and they're in the games, and they're playing, and they're having this success. And then they get to the NBA, and then they, it's scaled back. And mm-hmm. it's almost like, whoa, you know, like, yeah. oh, my God, you know, what do you do?
0: So You know, the NBA is a different stage, but for our kids, they don't see that and they don't understand that. And sometimes neither do we because we're looking at our kids and they're, you know, I mean, they're playing NCAA ball and they're so, so great, obviously, because they're now they're in the draft and they're chosen to play on a higher level. I mean, the level that every kid wants to get at and then they're mm-hmm. sitting. And for that, that's really mentally tough for our kids to to, you know what I mean? To handle. And some people, when I look at comments sometimes, some people just drive me nuts. And they're like, you know, mm-hmm. they get paid a lot of money and they're just being babies yeah. and they have to earn their dues. And we're like they already earned their dues. That's why they were chosen. However, you have to get the fact that here this kid was on a high. And first of all, he's a kid. He's on this high and he's he, mm-hmm. he understands I'm chosen. Thank God. Now I'm where I want to be. Now I want to play. And then they don't.
1: That is mm-hmm. devastating
0: to anybody. And it's not for any other reason other than their passion first is to be mm-hmm. on that court. It has nothing to do with anything else. So it just drives me nuts when people say, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? When they, when they did, because oh, yeah. to me, that's just ignorant. It's like, you have no mm-hmm. idea what it means for these kids to not play. It's not because they think they're better than anybody else. They mm-hmm. obviously don't. you know what I mean? They're, they're part of this squad They're Mm -hmm. there to play. Yes, now the difference is for them, they're getting paid to do this, but it doesn't mean for them because they're getting paid, whatever it is, hundreds of thousands of millions, that it's okay for them to sit and not do what they love. Mm -hmm. They love the sport. So
1: exactly, exactly. And, and And I think what you're saying, it hits home and resonates because the money part is great. Yeah, the money part is great. But what people fail to realize is that it's no comfort in his, in his soul that, yeah, you know, I'm sitting here and yes, I'm still going to get a paycheck. That just, that's, that wasn't what drove him with all the practices, with all the sacrifices, with only going to prom one time, his senior year, he missed junior prom. He got to go his senior year with our vacations were AAU tournaments. They weren't, you know, traveling to some beach or laying out or doing whatever, you know, the mornings of him getting up and going to the gym and, you know, missing out on a lot of things that kids, you know, have fun doing. That was fun for him. Don't get me wrong. These were choices that Trey made, Yeah, but he didn't make those choices to, to want to be that successful and to play basketball, to then go and sit down. Right on the bench and watch everybody playing Mm -hmm. something that he loves to do you know he loves to play yeah and so that's the part that it, it is tough um and it's sometimes hard for me when you ask about talking to other moms it's like it becomes so important to have a sisterhood to be able to share these kinds of conversations because people sometimes think that the money side of it absolutely solves all those problems and they don't solve yeah. those problems. They don't solve the mean spirited people who get on social media and, yeah. and might call your child a bum yep. or that he shouldn't have been drafted or that he shouldn't have done this or that, you know, none of that solves those kinds of problems. And But then if you don't have somebody who's also living that or experiencing what you're experiencing, if you're talking to some other people, they might be like, what is she griping about? You know, like, what are you serious right now? But when you can share the sisterhood with other moms who are going through the same thing and they understand exactly what you feel, it does make it easier Because that was how I was able, you know, I had gotten to a point, it had gotten so tough for me in November and December because, yes, his playing time was decreasing little by little. Then it was the DMPs. Then it was, you know, go to the G League and play some games. And my anxiety was at an all-time high. It was days I was just like, when he would leave the apartment, I was just crying and I couldn't even control like, or even be able to identify and say, why am I sad? And why am I crying? And then there was only like, who can I even reach out and talk to about this, you know? Yeah. And that was what, you know, led me to moms, um, a professional athletes, that, that organization. And then, you know, talking to other moms and saying, right. God, thank God that I got somebody that I can talk to. And so Sheba Coffee. Yep. Um, Amir's mom, she was, she's been an absolute dream. I mean, you know, just being able to talk to her and bounce things off with her and cry when I need to cry.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of the moms, we talk a lot and sometimes that's just what it is. And we just sit there and we just, just pour our hearts out because we understand we get it. And we need to be around like-minded people. And when I say that, I'm talking about people that are in the same situation as we are. I mean, I have lots of friends. However, their kids aren't playing in the NBA. So sometimes I'll say something and they'll look at me like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And I'm thinking, okay, it doesn't make sense to you. Mm-hmm. So, never mind. I'm going to run this by somebody else just because, at the end of the day, I need clarification for me. I need my mind to be put at ease. You know what I mean? I'd rather someone, mm-hmm. I'd rather call you another NBA mom and say, okay, Albita, tell me what you think <laughs> of my situation. You might turn around and say, when do you run? Cool. That's all I want to know. Thanks. Bye. And I'm good. Really? You know I mean? right. Just because that's, and you know what? And this is what Courtside Moms is about. I wanted to create an outlet for for us because i saw well i i was internalizing what i was going through and i was like wow there's got to be other people that are going through this like me i mean i had you know my son he was playing he was fantastic a kid who didn't even like basketball he was playing yeah hated <laughs> basketball you know what i mean and this kid was he went from not liking it to playing aau discovering oh i'm really good at this to Playing in, you know, at UNLV and being the number one, the one of the number one players, or the number one player, to going undrafted, to ending up in, um, getting waived after he tried out for teams, and you know what I mean, going to the to the D League, at the time, and then overseas, Turkey, Greece, and coming back. His journey is like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. So you want to talk about tears? I feel you because. <laughs> It was tears like, oh, my God, what do you do as a parent for our kids? We just want we just want our kids to be okay." When my son will call me from Turkey, I would Mm -hmm. hang up and oh, my God. And he was Mm. sometimes he was fine, but I could tell he was lonely. Right. It's not like I could have just, okay, I'm going to be on the next flight. I'll be right there in Turkey. No. So I just didn't have that luxury where some parents were able to pick up and go, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, I work remote mm -hmm. now, this is what I do. But before that, I didn't. So I had to get to work. I had to live life. Meanwhile, my baby was on the other side. I had another baby with me, you know what I mean? So
1: it wasn't
0: that easy. So for me, Courtside Moms is really that place, that platform for us to come together and tell each other our stories and always be there. Mm -hmm. So for that, I thank you for sharing your story with us and 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 letting people know who you are and who right. Trey is and and what you guys had had done to get to where you are now. So before I conclude and get to the fun facts. Okay. Tell me, <laughs> what is it like being the courtside mom of Trey Murphy the <laughs> 3rd? Um, you
1: know, it's been the people in New Orleans are amazing. Um, nice, you know, just so nice. Um, when I see fans who come into the arena and they have his jersey on, it just warms my heart. You know, I even go up to him and tell him, you know, thank you for supporting Trey. Um, it just makes me feel so good. You know, um, knowing that he he's living out the beginning of his dream and the beginning of his career and being there supporting him and people coming up with just coming up to give me, you know, support and to say like, when they, they see him sitting and, you know, they want to see him play and they're like, we want him on the court. We want to see him play. And, you know, and, and, and so knowing that they love him, you know, and I think that they're more, Pelican fans who love him and those that don't. So I love that. You know, yeah. I love the fan base and the support and the fact that they do, if they see me at a game and recognize me and know who I am, you know, that they're willing to, you know, come up and speak and tell me how much, you know, that they're happy that Trey is a Pelican. Yeah. So
0: Aww, mm-hmm. that's amazing. <laughs> so now let's learn a couple of fun facts about Trey. So what is his go-to dish that you make that he must always have?
1: Now, Wendy, see, now there you go. (laughs) I'm gonna have to let you know and be honest, especially if my husband hears this, my husband is the cook in our family. So for me, I've always been the breakfast person. So if I had to say Trey's go-to that his mom cooks for him, I cook him um, grits, pancakes, bacon. So it's that you know that that type of good solid breakfast. Mm-hmm. He was never a cereal kid. I could not be that mom to say go fix a bowl of cereal. Trey always wants a hot breakfast in the morning. So mm-hmm. I'm the breakfast person, but his dad is by far the one that cooks all our meals, and and he has go to dishes for his dad, <laughs> that his dad <laughs> prepares. His mom is not much of a cook. I'm sorry.
0: I love that. Trey comes home after a game, 10 PM is like, Ma, you ready to cook some? Oh, grits. <laughs> Listen, whatever exactly. works, man, rush it in. Yeah. And eat it. So, <laughs> exactly. so other than a basketball, what is one childhood item he just didn't want to live without?
1: Oh my, that's hard. Other than a basketball. um, When he got a little bit older, it was probably his Xbox. Yeah. It was probably the Xbox. Um, We didn't let him get into gaming until, gosh, I mean, he was hanging out with friends and using their gaming system, but we didn't have one. We didn't get him one. And I think it was probably by the time I think my, yeah, I think his dad got him an Xbox when he was probably 13 or 14 years old. So he was a little older yeah. than most kids.
0: That <laughs> so never goes away. Xbox. <laughs> that doesn't go away. My son to this day still, still, <laughs> he's such a big gamer. And I always laugh because when I'm in Toronto and they're packing to go, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're packing to play away. I always say to him, you know, it's a good thing that the team got your uniform and your shoes and stuff, because man, the only thing he cares about is that Xbox, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the only thing that would, would be on his, mom, oh, his yeah. gaming system and his vitamins, that's it. That's yeah. It. And so,
1: yeah, now he and now he's PlayStation five, I think it is, or whatever that thing is. Yes. And so when he was moving into moving into his apartment. And I'm trying to get him to focus on furniture. Cause I'm like, well, Trey, it is your apartment. I mean, I can pick out all your furniture. I can pick out everything. He says to me, mom, all I want is a sleep number bed and a TV for my PlayStation. Mm-hmm. That's all he wanted. He didn't yep. care about a couch, a table, uh, anything. It was just like a PlayStation, a TV and a bed. That's yep. all he cared about.
0: <laughs> yep. Same thing with my son. He'd be like in a chair to sit on. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so did he have a nickname? And if so, what was it?
1: Oh, wow. Well, Trey, because Trey is really <laughs> technically his nickname. Um, Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. My, what do people used to? Oh, well, you know, it's so funny because people, the more he started playing basketball and, and, and Trey shoots the three pretty well, they started calling him Trigger. So there was Trigger Trey. Yeah. Love it. it. Yeah. So yeah, they call him, they will call him Trigger Trey. Yeah. (laughs) Okay.
0: So now let's get to some advice questions. What advice would you give to another courtside mom? about how to deal with a coaching decision that she does not agree with. I need that advice. (laughs) (laughs) So are you telling me that if you and I are in a game, I'd be like, sit out, (laughs) Albina. Is that what you're telling me?
1: (laughs) Wendy, I need that advice.
0: I don't agree with them not playing my (laughs) son. Oh my God, that's the best okay so (laughs) I don't know what to say (laughs) well I'll
1: say this much and this is where because Trey is so funny I, I mean I wish you know I tell people I wish you could have an opportunity to meet him at some point Trey handles things better than probably both me and his dad okay so the best advice I would say to any mom and what I've had to take in is don't give anybody a viral moment. If, if there's anything that's going on, be it with a fan, with the coaching staff, with anybody, try to think about your son first before yeah. you want to respond or before you want to go on the attack. I've had to just reel it back in a lot yeah. of times. I mean, yeah. there have been times I've heard a fan say something or, you know, Coach, Coach Green didn't, you know, isn't going to put him in. And I've wanted to leap across the rows and like hit him in the back of the head. Put my son in the game. What's wrong with you? And not for two minutes. He can't do nothing in two minutes. Who can do anything in two minutes? Are you serious right now? That ain't right. But I take a deep breath. And I look at Trey and I say, he would be so disappointed, you know, if my reaction becomes that viral moment, because that's where we are right now. You know what I mean? Everybody's ready to whip out that cell phone. Somebody's ready to post something. Somebody's ready to have, you know, um, something to, you know, to tweet about or something, which is why I love, you know, the ability to talk to other moms in the NBA, because I feel like if I say something to you or share something with you, I don't have to worry about it's going to go get tweeted and, you know, right. and, and then it's all over the place and, you know, and it brings some type of shame to our sons. Yeah. So I think that's what's most important is that we have to understand this is their career. It's not ours.
0: Right. No, you're right. Because you know? Unfortunately, mm-hmm. nobody wants to be that mama who made the highlights. <laughs> can you imagine so i'm assuming you'd give the same advice to i can't
1: i would i certainly would i just say take a deep breath count to 10 (laughs) and just don't have any viral moments Yeah. yeah
0: so what advice would you give to trey about how to deal with a tough teammate
1: you know that's an interesting situation because I'm going to say, honestly, Trey manages personalities and people very well. There are teammates that he's had, and I'm not going to say, you know, currently, um, mm. but there have been teammates that he's had that I've gotten a, a bad vibe about, Yeah, you know, he doesn't pass you the ball and I just don't think he likes you and he's a hater and he's a blah, blah, blah. You know, that's me in the car mad stop passing him the ball he won't pass you the ball and Trey never Wendy I promise you I'm not trying to hype him up because he's my son but Trey has never ever had something negative to say about a teammate yeah I think Trey always if it is someone he'll figure it out he'll figure out how to make that person like him Probably some of the players that probably, you know, you would think he, you know, that may not get along with other other people. Yeah. Trail find a way to to break that wall down and right. to ingratiate himself and to being a good teammate to somebody who may not be a good teammate to him until right. that relationship is better. Yeah. But he is definitely a people type of person, Um, because that was one thing the NBA even had to say, um, or at least some of the people, you know, how they do the interviews and they're looking when they start trying to, you know, find out all the dirt about your child in the whole Mm pre-draft, you know, talking to old coaches and old (laughs) teammates and all this. And I'll never forget, you know, even his agent said that they were just so surprised that even the program where he left Rice... Oftentimes they think that's where they're going to get the dirt. Like, Oh, this kid transferred. Let's get the dirt. Yeah. That there was no dirt, you know, that old teammates talked very favorable and how Trey's a good teammate coaches. He's, he's coachable. He's a good kid. And I had no problems with him. Um, Coach Perry even said, if he wanted to come back to rice, we take him back. I mean, so for me, it would be so shocking If I was to meet somebody who said, you know, they just didn't like him because he was just a bad teammate or something to that effect, I would be surprised.
0: Um, And my last question to you is, (laughs) if you could give only one piece of advice to another courtside mom, what would that be?
1: Um. I would say to again understand that this is your your son your son or your daughter's career you know and to allow that growth to to occur and to try to relax you know that's that one piece you know to try and relax and these are things again that I'm learning for myself um, I read this book called one Word and you know, And what it does is it takes you away from resolutions because resolutions are so hard to keep. But one word, to focus on one word and allow that word to be the word that guides you for a year. And so I would say to an NBA or a courtside mom is to find a word. And I narrowed it down to patience and faith. And then... Trey's chef came into the apartment the other morning and she had faith on her hat. And I felt like at that point, that was God saying to me, Your word is faith. And so I would say to a course I mom, get a word, let that word be your guiding word for the year and that season that your child is experiencing. And try to focus on that and let that be a guiding word to kind of, you know, get you through some of the things that you know that you're going to experience.
0: I love that. What a great great thought. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's so insightful because it's true. Like you're saying focus on that one word and that one word is really meaningful. That one word is going to make a difference that will help us carry through. Because once we focus on something then for to me as natural as humans then we really try to live by that. Mm-hmm. And they ain't nothing better than living by faith in my mind, so... <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's true, you have yep. to.: yep.
0: Yeah,. And with that said, oh, thank you so much. I haven't laughed this hard in a long time. You are an amazing guest. I learned so much about your son and about you. Moms, we are fantastic. We we have so much to give, so much to offer. We've offered so much and sometimes we don't realize that. And I love having these conversations because sometimes it's just pulling from a mother. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. our natural instinct is just to do what we have to do for our kids. And we don't realize sometimes the impact that we have on our children and everything that we do for them, you know what I mean? Like like you were saying before, mm-hmm. those tired moments when you're driving from from Raleigh to Cary, I believe you said, to Durham, and you're exhausted, mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm freezing, and I'm not trying to be out here. I'm <laughs> on the court, you're on the court. Why do I have to do this? And put your jacket on, and I don't, yep. But mm-hmm. years later, now you're sitting in your son's apartment, and- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and realizing that your hard work I'd paid off a couple of years later. So that conversation in that car now is where you're at today. So congratulations mm-hmm. and thank you for being so awesome and for coming on courtside moms.
1: Well, oh, thank you, Wendy. I appreciate you. I definitely do. I think this is an amazing platform, and I do wish you a ton of success with it. And that more moms, you know, will reach out and talk with you and share their stories because I just think hearing from other moms and and having this bond is something that is just is so important you know for our mental health yeah. oh my goodness
0: yes. very <laughs> mm-hmm. special indeed